Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Welcome to Gigabit Nation. Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Suttles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience for taking time to be with us today. Our mission, as always, is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get faster, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in America. A frequent theme here on the show has been innovation, particularly how do you encourage innovation when the term itself is kind of amorphous? I mean, do you, do you know it when you see it? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but when it comes to broadband, how do you, you know, how do you plan for it? How do you nurture it? Uh, is one attack uh, approach or option better than others or more profitable than others? You know, do we sit back entirely and kind of take a uh, laissez-faire attitude toward it? You know, how do we get from here to there when we come with this question of uh, of innovation? And we're putting a lot of money into this, uh, you know, in, into this word, into this concept uh, from state to state. Now, today we're going to take a look at the broadband developments that are going on in the state of Illinois. And they have a number of uh, interesting initiatives going on uh, to cur- encourage new applications, uh, new creativity, and so forth, basically going down that path toward broadband innovation. And to give us a scoop from, from Illinois, we have Drew Clark, who is the executive director of the Partnership for a Connected Illinois. Now, this is a nonprofit organization, no, con- no connection with Connected Nation, um, and they have a threefold mission, which is collecting and publishing broadband data, promoting higher quality broadband access throughout the state, and maximizing the impact, adoption, and use of high speed internet services. Drew, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Craig. I'm very excited to be on this show. Uh, as, as you mentioned, I was on one show earlier before. Um, and very happy to be back uh, and speak about what we're doing at Broadband Illinois. Uh, our website, of course, is broadbandillinois.org, and we we use that name because we don't want to avoid we want to avoid confusion um, uh, with uh, other entities outside of Illinois uh, in regards to broadband planning and mapping and development. Mm-hmm. So let's. Wow, you know, there's so much stuff going on in the state. It's hard to know where to begin, but let's start with the with the bird's eye view. You know, from a state perspective, you know, in in short term, what do you have going on there? Well, I would say the two key things that we would focus on, Craig, are the role of the uh, Illinois uh, governors. Gigabit Communities Challenge. Um, our organization, uh, Broadband Illinois, has played a key role in helping get the word out, publicize, and promote the Gigabit Challenge. This is a challenge that Governor Pat Quinn of Illinois issued on February 1st of this year in the State of the State Address. And he set aside uh, $6 million in funding, uh, leveraging funding, seed money, if you will, to build super high capacity broadband networks in the state of Illinois and opened it up in a competition for communities 
across the state to put forth applications to bring gigabit level connectivity to at least 1,000 uh, residents. Um, the applications were due on June 30th of this year. There were 40 communities that put in applications uh, to be awarded. Uh, the award uh, process has not yet uh, been completed, and they will be announced at some point this fall. And Broadbend, Illinois played a key role in helping to work with and facilitate communities and broadband providers together to work together on putting applications for the Gigabit Challenge. So think of that as a big deployment effort, right? That's where our organization has helped to promote broadband deployment, which is one of those three key missions you just articulated. The second thing that we're really involved in, very excited about, and we just launched uh, on August 16th, is the Broadband Innovation Fund. Now this is a Broadband Illinois-led activity where we are awarding up to $500,000 in funds to organizations, public and private, that are going to develop applications and programs that will uh, advance broadband uh, technology through uh, high-speed networks. And we're going to make at least five awards, so kind of looking at uh, $100,000 or less, up to $100,000 awards to entities across the state that are going to promote broadband usage, adoption, and impact. And that's something we're very excited about. You can read all about it at broadbandillinois.org slash innovation. And the front page of our website, broadbandillinois.org, has many links to it. Applications are due September 11th. So uh, we, we still have a, a week and a half uh, to get applications together and in uh, for those of your listeners who are from Illinois and would be interested in participating. Now, is it just open to Illinois contestants? It is an Illinois program. So it's, it's open to those who are developing programs to advance uh, broadband usage and adoption in Illinois. Okay. Not a problem. Now, one of the things that jumps out at me uh, immediately is you talk about you talked about the fact that the um, the Gigabit Challenge was issued to communities, whereas in some of the like Chattanooga's had its own Gigabit Challenge, um, Kansas City has had a, ver a, ver a version of the Gigabit Challenge. In both of these cases, they opened it up to any and everybody who wanted to come in with an application. Or in Chattanooga's case, they brought people in as part of a uh, two-month-long program, right? But those people that came in were from everywhere. Um, was it a conscious effort to focus on the communities, uh, say, as opposed to just development teams or entrepreneurs? Or do you see those as one and the same? Uh, we, we really see the key role here uh, is it was articulated in the Governor's uh, Gigabit Communities Challenge is that applicants needed to work together. In other words, you needed to be a, a have the capacity to build a network as, as a provider, uh, be a provider, or have that capacity to, to be a provider, and you also needed the support of your community. So um, it, it wasn't. Uh, an effort to exclude or, or include. It was an effort to be broad and inclusive, and that's sort of the path we followed with our Broadband Innovation Fund, too. So I'm not sure if I'm 100% getting at your question, uh, Craig. Am I? Any, any further elaborations? Well, I mean, so, so basically it is a uh, – okay, let's try it a different way. In other 
communities or other cities that are having a similar kind of call it gigabit challenge, it is open to you know development teams coming in. You know, I get a you know two or three people on the team to create applications, or I am a company that comes in and says, okay, I've got a, an application to throw in the mix. This sounds more like you're encouraging community-wide projects, in other words, communities to come together and then present to the state or whatever the, the, the body was that was you know, that's reviewing all these applications, a community effort as opposed to a small group of individuals. It was really an effort to, to do both of those at the same time, Craig. You know, we wanted to encourage the community aspect, but, you know, there's, there's – uh, uh, a need to have expertise, a project ex business expertise. Uh, so uh, the, the awards, of course, have not yet been announced, the uh, Gigabit Communities Challenge. So we'll get to see once they are done. But we clearly have had a lot of, of uh, fish and fowl in that uh, contest. <laughs> Okay, so so, but but the, I guess the key though is that you had to both come up with the idea, but also some indication of how you were going to address or how the community was going to address the actual infrastructure part of it. So it's not you know here's an application idea, but here's an application, and oh by the way, here's how we actually plan to bring it from you know idea to program to network. Yes, it was that. a need. It was a need to have a concrete network plan. Think again about the Gigabit Communities Challenge as a deployment project and investments in deployment. And now you can think about the Illinois Broadband Innovation Fund that's going on right now as an effort to promote the uh, proposals that will develop the use of those networks through advanced bandwidth and so forth. Okay, but I think that's a good idea. I mean, it, it's different, but it's also uh, it's bringing in a wider group of voices. Plus, I, I'm assuming that you get a lot of community buy-in because, you know, as opposed to having a small team uh, that may or may not live in my town, you know, submitting an application, if it becomes a community project where there's community input, we now have a greater uh, interest in it. We have a greater interest in the finished product and we will probably be more likely to uh, become subscribers on the network. I mean, that would be how I would look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the goal is to use broadband in many ways. And as I've been talking for, for years, and we, we've talked before, uh, Craig, there's a need in the broadband realm to bring together so many different stakeholders. Uh, for example, the National Broadband Plan that the Federal, Commission, Federal Communications Commission put together um, two and a half years ago was a great uh, uh, statement about how broadband can impact and improve the quality of, of life in this country, but how many different you know, departments, agencies, and individuals and companies it touches. It's, it's not exactly something that you have you know, a, a set government agency that handles it all. It's, it's got to be collaborative. It's got to bring together lots of different stakeholders. And here in Illinois, one of the things that we at Broadband Illinois see as our mission is helping to implement the national broadband plan on a state level. So these are concrete examples of what we're doing in Illinois besides the data and mapping that we've been doing for two and a half years. We're now really deeply engaged in the deployment efforts to advance and promote broadband deployment, higher capacity networks, existing networks, existing subscriptions on existing networks, 
but also the advanced capacity, the, the new ways of using the networks for telemedicine, for, uh, for, for educational and distance learning, for agriculture improvements, for public safety operations. Think of all those purposes that the National Broadband Plan spoke about. We want to be able to do that uh, here in Illinois by promoting the use of these networks. Mm -hmm. Now, if I want to take a again looking at some from from the higher view up, and taking in mind that people listening to the show could be you know, community planners, it could be statewide planners. How in the beginning did you sort of lay out the plan? Like, how did you structure? I don't know the call it the infrastructure for implementing you know this vision, this broadband vision from the state. I mean, I understand you created 56 or some odd entities throughout the state, and and I'm, I'm sure there are other things that happen, but I want to get an idea or a sense of, you know, how did you put the organization part of this together? Sure, Craig. So, yeah, let me just back up a second on that uh, point, if you don't mind. So, sure, 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 okay. uh, Broadband Illinois is one of 56 different state Entities. So, you know, Missouri has one, uh, Iowa has one, Indiana has one, uh, you know, uh, Kansas has one. Each of the states have a state broadband initiative entity. And these entities are um, funded under the uh, American Recovery and Reinvestment Act's allocation of dollars for broadband planning, mapping, and development. And so, so from this long perspective, Broadband Illinois has been set up as a way to serve as this coordinated entity. We're a nonprofit here in the state. We're, uh, we're, we're delegated by the state to do certain functions, uh, broadband planning and mapping, uh, collaborating to enhance deployment, and promoting uh, broadband adoption, usage, and impact. And so those three core functions have been present from from the beginning over the last two and a half, three, three years. And what we've been gradually doing is kind of knocking down item one. We've kind of moved moved through the, the mapping and, 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 and planning, uh, beginning to really engage on the grassroots level through what we call E-teams. These are community teams that we have in 10 regions around the state. Illinois is a very big state, the fifth largest state in the U.S., population-wise, and so we break up the state into 10 regions, uh, and these E-team these e regions become a kind of a focus and, a, and a, uh, a mechanism for bringing together providers, the companies like the AT&Ts, the Comcast, the Frontier, the Home Telecom. These are companies that want and need broadband and, and broadband subscriptions, and our E-teams bring them together with users of the network, with the private sector users, the business users like Caterpillar and John Deere and ADM and, and big businesses, but also mid-sized and small businesses, and also the community anchor institutions like the libraries, the schools, the hospitals, the workforce centers. These are the, the people that, that need better broadband. And so, you know, again, sort of the big vision of broadband and its impact in our country is, is making sure more people are included, making sure the capacities are improving, and making sure that solutions are devised 
to address broadband's need in areas like education, healthcare, uh, telecommuting, energy saving, smart grid. And the, and the last area that we've become engaged in through the Broadband Innovation Fund is to use the, the, the staff that we've developed, the e-teams that we've got on the ground, the deep relationships and partnerships we've built with many organizations throughout Illinois to, to work collaboratively to advance broadband. So it's, it's kind of a process of, of uh, this is what we think a ideal state broadband initiative entity should be doing, exactly what we here at Broadband Illinois or the Partnership for Connect Illinois are doing, which is bringing stakeholders together to make sure that we have the data we need, that we have the partnerships and collaborations we need for deployment, and that we have the opportunities to enhance uh, the usage of broadband networks. Mm -hmm. And how has all of this come together? I think we, when we talked, it was uh, probably last August or September, because it was shortly after I after I launched Gigabit Nation, and you kind of you know you gave us the lay of the land. And so, if I look at the last year or two. You know, has this worked out as you expected, better than you expected? How would you how would you grade the 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 advancement so far? Well, we've been really pleased with the traction that we've uh, been getting here in the state. As as I mentioned, it's about bringing multiple stakeholders together. So uh, we're not trying to serve just one or the other constituency. Uh, we certainly don't. Um, favor one type of broadband provider over another. We want to work with all broadband providers, and we want to work with all users, uh, whether they're businesses or community organizations, government, state and local government entities, and, and consumers. So, so we're trying to build the partnerships to, to make it work. And you know, we, we think we're we're on a good a good roll, and we aim to continue as long as we are around and able to serve this this role of getting a better broadband and better lives throughout Illinois. Mm -hmm. That's good. Now, how, how engaged is the general population as far as you can tell in terms of this, this broadband thing? Is it still a mystery to them, or have they wrapped their minds around it and are getting fully behind uh, these programs? Well, this is a great point, uh, Craig. One of the things that we talk a lot about here uh, with our communications team and our web teams is the audience. And in some ways, we, we almost have to navigate between an audience we call the broadband enthusiasts. Uh, you, know, you may be familiar with that term, Craig. I think that a lot of your listeners fall in that category of broadband enthusiasts and the general consumer. And we see our our mission as serving both of them, uh, both the broadband enthusiast who has a little more knowledge of the terrain, the space, the issues, uh, why things are necessary, and the consumer who may not know one thing about broadband, if they even know what broadband means, right? Uh, high capacity internet. Exactly. Well, what what is that exactly? And so um, one of the things we we talk about constantly here, Craig, is the purposes of broadband, things like job creation, education, health care, agriculture, public safety, family connectedness, energy and energy savings, e-government. These purposes are the things that link the consumers and their needs and desires to the broadband enthusiasts. And we want to make sure that we are serving the consumers and making sure we're explaining things to them. Now the uh the the gigabit challenge um 
are you able to talk about what kinds of pro, uh, you know ideas came up? I mean, in very general terms, because obviously you haven't come up with a, with a winner yet. But I'm just kind of wondering what uh, you know what what might have percolated that up. Would you mind repeating that question, uh, Craig? Sure. I'm just wondering if you can talk about a couple of, you know, talk about in broad strokes, maybe a couple of uh, general ideas that percolated up as a result of the Gigabit Challenge contest. You know, I've done a number of stories about, you know, the various applications that were part of the Chattanooga uh, Gigabit uh, contest, if you will. And it was interesting, you know, just to get an idea of what kinds of things people created as a result of that. So I'm wondering if you can talk, like I said, in general terms about what might have uh, or what has been submitted for, you know, from, from, from your program. Great. Thanks, Craig. Um, and, and, uh, just to clarify, we, we've played a very strong and close role in partnership with uh, the Governor's Office on the Governor's uh, Gigabit Communities Challenge, but, but we're not um, you know, making the decisions about who those uh, entities will be. We know there were 40 applicants for the Gigabit Challenge. Mm -hmm. um, some number between two and six of those will receive awards based on the, the structure of the competition, and we actively worked with about half of these 40 through our E-teams. We have a great E-team organization. Brad Housewright is our E-team director, and he's been working with uh, four individuals across the state, and one of their key missions was to uh, make sure these applications were as strong as they possibly could be. So just in, as an example, um, uh, Craig, uh, there were applications from Shawnee Telephone Company down in Equality, Illinois. The city of Evanston and Northwestern put forth an application uh, up in the, the Chicago suburbs. CenturyLink and Galesburg put forth an application. Geneseo Communications in western Illinois. The city of Highland, uh, you know, public entity put forth an application. Um, Connexus LLC down in southwest portion in Jerseyville put an application, even the Kankakee Daily Journal, a newspaper put forth an application. Um, uh, there were, there were uh, uh, some, some Chicago projects. Uh, Gigabit Squared teamed up with uh, a lot of community groups on the south side of Chicago. Uh, U.S. Sonnet, which has uh, been pumping fiber to the area around Salem, Illinois, in southern Illinois. They put forth an application. Frontier put forth, uh, I believe, three separate applications. So we, it was just a huge um, medley of lots and lots of different entities that have put forth applications in the Gigabit Challenge. And we're going to have to sort of wait and see who gets uh, the awards. Uh, one of the things that we've been talking a lot about, Craig, is that even um, though there will be many who do not succeed in getting funding under the Gigabit Challenge, our E-teams want to work with those who don't and mm -hmm. to find ways to look for the financing that can uh, promote broadband. I mean, one of the great things about what Google did in its, uh, you know, Think Big with a Gig contest that led to Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri being selected for, uh, for Gigabit-level connectivity is they prompted 1,100 cities across the country um, 71 of them in Illinois to say we want to be that kind of high-speed city. Well, the thing is, Google was not able to follow up with 
1,099 of those. They just right. followed up with one of them. We want to follow up with all 40 of these. So let's say, let's say three of these 40 are picked. We want to be focusing on those other 37 and working closely with them to make sure we get high-speed connectivity in those areas throughout the state. Yeah, I, I see exactly where you're where you're coming from uh, with all that. Now, the Innovations Fund—that's the five hundred thousand dollar fund. Um, how would you characterize the differences between this program and um, and the and the original program, the one that closed in, in June? Sure. The difference is, is pretty stark. The Gigabit Communities Challenge is for infrastructure and for deployment. The Broadband Innovation Fund is for proposals to use the network. So okay. it's the difference between building the network and doing the things on the network that will make people uh, uh, more uh, excited or happy or, or satisfied or uh, better trained, uh, better capable. It's, 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 the difference. It's, like, it's the difference between you know, the network and what travels on the network. Right, so it's it's a it's a stark difference. The the one is for infrastructure, the other is for applications, adoption, usage. Okay, now I got you. Uh, that, okay, nope, got to stand and understand. That makes a lot of sense. Um, do you feel that there is a broad representation in these ideas that are perking up, percolating up, uh, the applications that are coming up that are from all strata uh, from like say from an economic uh, standpoint in other words are you getting ideas from low income communities you know to to all, to to go along with ideas that are coming from you know more affluent areas and and I bring this up because you know obviously one of the objectives of any, most of these broadband efforts is to where it can where these programs can to close the digital divide and so I'm wondering if, um, you know, as you guys are moving this thing forward, are you getting that broad, uh, you know, breadth of um, uh, participation from people who may not be as engaged or may not have, you know, a lot of that technology already in place because of income status, you know, the basic computing, uh, you know, tools and understanding and so forth? Yeah, that's a great question, Craig. And let me let me back up and and take it in a twofold fashion. Um, the the first is that uh, we uh, received the funding under this proposed under this broadband innovation fund through a, a grant from the U.S. Small Business Administration, and that grant is to focus on broadband uh, usage, broadband computers, and training and promoting small business and economic development. And so uh, we, we are, are using uh, $500,000 for this Broadband Innovation Fund. And it's going on right now, so it's kind of a fast-moving, as-we-speak type of, of process. And we don't yet have the, the, the applications all in because they're not due until September 11th of right. 2012, so 10 days from now. Um, but, but we... Also, and this is what I wanted to mention additionally, uh, uh, Craig, is that we also uh, used another portion of these funds 
to, to, to address exactly what you just asked about. The computer training, the computer usage, uh, we, are, we are building on a model that many people across the country, from Connect to Compete to the Federal Communications Commission, want. And in fact, we're working very closely. We have an application out to the Federal Communications Commission as part of their Broadband Lifeline pilot program. And, and our application is working with seven telecommunications providers in the southern and western parts of Illinois, which are the most underserved and unserved areas of the state. And working with these seven providers, we want to bring broadband to those people who are not currently connected, get them subsidized computers, get them low-cost connections, get them get most of many of them free training on the use of computers so we can start to see what are the things that will make a difference in broadband adoption so so we are doing exactly what you just asked about now as to whether we're getting the applications from the diverse communities well we certainly hope so we've we've done this broadband innovation tour throughout the state and um i wanted to actually uh, uh ask if um uh, Roxana Ryan, our communications specialist, could speak about this because she's just come back from uh, the Broadband Innovation Tour and uh, you know, was at uh, most of these events and maybe could speak just a little bit about the uh, excitement and interest that's been out there. No, that's excellent. Uh, Please come online. Okay, here she is. Roxana, good morning and welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Doing well, doing well. So you have been out in the in the field, as it were, amongst the people, engaging what's going on. So what's what's happening out there in the real world? <laughs> well, it's 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 happening for sure. We've been out in eight different cities throughout Illinois, big and small, everywhere. From we had a live webinar in Chicago at the Illinois Institute of Technology, um, which is at the top of the state, all the way down to about the bottom of Illinois, which is a six or seven hour drive down in Carbondale, Illinois, home of Southern Illinois University. Um, we've been over in Western Illinois, Central Illinois, um, promoting this broadband innovation fund that we've just launched. Um, we really want to get our stakeholders excited and, and make sure everyone has, has an opportunity to apply and has the tools that they need to mm -hmm. apply. So what kind of specific feedback are you getting from folks in terms of you know, what they want to do and what they hope to accomplish? We are getting a, a lot of positive feedback. Um, I think one of the key things about this, this grant is that the application and the request for proposals that we've put out is so incredibly broad. We're not saying, um, you know, everyone who applies has to be from a rural community or these have to be proposals that will stimulate just distance learning, for example. We're trying to stimulate um, all of the different sectors identified in the National Broadband Plan and, and also what we're focused on, job creation, education, healthcare, agriculture, public safety, as long as they are proposing something that um, deals with a broadband platform, we're accepting their application. So I think that broadness and that openness is what's really exciting to people and is, is letting people be creative and innovative in their applications. Mm -hmm. That's good. Now, did you get any, you know, did people bring up specific ideas, you know, things they say, well, I, I, we'd like to try this, or we're thinking about doing that, or something like that, you know, where you had a, yeah. a sense of where they're going? Yeah, that's a great question, and um, we we were wanting to find that out, too, whether people would be 
open about, you know, stating their specific ideas, but I mean, keep in mind this is a competition and, and people are competing for this money, so I think we're finding that um, while they're, they're open to giving a general idea, and we've provided a lot of examples of, of applications that we might expect to see, we actually didn't see a lot of people, you know, eager to state their specific ideas because... Um, oh, we got to win. <laughs> yeah, this is a competitive fund, and, and we are anticipating that we're going to have many more applications than we will have funding. And so we're looking for, you know, the most innovative applications that can hopefully our goal is, is to be able to duplicate these programs that they'll be creating and applying for. We're hoping that the models that they're bringing to us can be duplicated and, and used in future years. We're anticipating and, and our reason for promoting this so much is that we want this to be something that, you know, really um, carries on other than this year. We don't want to just hand out money for computers. We want to really spark something here in Illinois and get people excited. So mm -hmm. um, some of the some of the applications that we might expect to see could be anything from um, like efforts to connect healthcare professionals with their patients in a particular region. Um, anything, a program designed to spur greater use of telework or telecommuting, which would save on gas costs. Um, we had an interesting discussion in Peoria um, they did kind of bring up a specific idea about they have a lot of um, healthcare workers who are working off-site in that region, mm -hmm. and they were kind of discussing <laughs> off the record putting a, a little proposal together um, along with a local provider to somehow stimulate that area of, um, of telecommuting, um, combining that in with the healthcare workers, people who are doing like transcriptions off-site just don't have the bandwidth to do that um, mm -hmm. at their more rural location. Right. <clears throat> okay, so that, that, uh, well, that, well, that's pretty interesting. I know we have, the show, you know, we've talked about um, telemedicine, though probably not nearly in enough detail. Uh, it's good mm -hmm. to see that that is still a, um, you know, still on the radar for a number of people. And, you know, I think I, I've had conversations with, with people where they talked about, you know, doctors being remote and doctors being able to dial in, but no one actually exactly. talked about the sort of the rank-and-file healthcare workers, which sounds like what this is exactly. about, really. Yeah, and now we, with, we, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, go yeah, ahead. we just hadn't got into that, that arena enough as well. I mean, telehealth and telemedicine is, is just so intimidating, and, it, and it's something that we really do feel that we need to get a larger focus on and you know, we were we held actually held a specific healthcare broadband meeting for uh, stakeholders in that region that that we are in, and um, they identified quite a few needs for us that were have put it as action items. Um, one of them was not enough um, access for nursing homes in their region. So our E teams who work closely in those regions have been able to like create a map of those nursing homes and overlap that with the access maps and the network maps that we make here in-house, and that's something that we're really proud of and, and we want to continue doing. Mm -hmm. Did you hear from seniors a lot? We do hear <clears throat> from seniors. We, um, uh, One of our BTOP recipients, which is Broadband Technology Opportunities Program, they are a group called Connected Living, and they provide training in low, to low, computer training to low-income residents and seniors. And so we are seeing a lot of providers that have partnered with the Connected Living Group, and they kind of do everything in-house. They provide 
the, the accessibility and a very specialized curriculum in-house to people in senior centers and, and low-income housing. So mm -hmm. that is another thing that's on our radar and another idea that we, we do expect to see applications <coughs> that, that deal with low-income um, senior citizens and, and definitely that demographic is huge to bridge the digital divide. Mm -hmm. And how how receptive uh, is that audience? Because I think we, you know, we you, you often hear and you often see articles talk about, you know, that's an area that's um, slow to catch on to the technology. While I know there are advocates out there who, you know, work people working in the trenches that say, you know, seniors are actually more engaged than we probably give them credit for. I agree um, with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Mm, okay. I, I, well, I think it's it's getting the word out there. I mean, I, I know this, the divide exists, but given the opportunity and the proper training and and so forth, I know that Connected Living has had huge successes with with their senior citizen population. Um, our other communications employee here went up and did a story, a success story on a Connected Living program, and it just it was really exciting for him to be able to to see them. They actually have a graduation ceremony when the senior population goes through that specialized training and is able to connect with family members to access government services to um, do distance learning opportunities and, and just keep in touch and feel like they're part of the world, um, They, that's all part of, of their curriculum. And the Connected Living group actually holds a, a very formal graduation ceremony for them and they, you know, go through and receive their diploma and, you know, those on the private sector side, that's a whole other group of, of people who are subscribing to these services. So that's one thing that we really focus on here at mm -hmm. Broadbent, Illinois, is building those, those partnerships between the private and the public sector as well. Well, there's definitely some pluses there to that uh, that more people need to uh, to know about, and I think that it's good that you've, you know, that you're group has recognized that and <clears throat> at some point I'm going to have to get the connected living folks on here. I know that they have uh been pretty aggressive out there though I like to say that you know it's like a number of things related to uh seniors. I'm not sure if it's picking up the amount of traction that it should, but hopefully um you know we can do better <clears throat> by them uh mm -hmm. you know in these in these upcoming weeks. Wow. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the Peoria meeting that I was just at, and Peoria is a, a larger city um, in northern, north central Illinois, we met a provider there, who, a wireless provider who had partnered with Connected Living. And so he, he's a smaller guy, small independent wireless provider who mm -hmm. has, you know, he's done really well because he has, you know, partnered with Connected Living and his company is now providing that wireless service to a low-income subdivision there. And he was just so proud that, you know, he's new to the field, but, you know, this is huge for his company um, and while he's doing something really great. So we're going to go up and do a story on him as well. So mm -hmm. I get out in the field and to tell the broadband success stories that are happening in Illinois. No, this is this is definitely some <clears throat> some pretty good stuff. And uh, you know it speaks well to the you know the nature of the the project. One thing you mentioned, uh, I'm not sure if this is maybe more of a Drew question or not, but the question of the smaller uh, companies, the smaller providers. I bring this up in light of um, Tuesday's interview we had on um, 
Oh, Matt Larson, who is a uh, he runs a uh, WISP, and he's also on the board of directors for the Wireless ISP Association, WISPA, and a, a number of of, uh, of wireless ISPs across the U.S. are are often uh, feeling slighted because they get lost in the undertow, you know, because they're so small and they don't get covered directly by a lot of these these bigger grant programs and so forth. Um, I know you guys don't show favoritism, but do you do anything to to make sure that you know the little guys that can you know that have a role to play don't get lost or crushed underfoot, which are actually two different things, you know, being lost and being crushed. Well, we spread the love evenly, Craig. Uh, Drew Clark again here. We we really do work with all different types of providers. I mean, you can we can kind of tick them off, right? There's there's the um, the cable providers that um, have done uh, an incredible job at uh, pushing DOCSIS 3.0 in many communities. That's been responsible for upping the bandwidth speeds really uh, dramatically. Let me just give you a little personal uh, anecdote here. Um, until three months ago, I lived in a rural community uh, outside of Springfield called uh, Petersburg. Uh, it's uh, 26 miles from Springfield, and uh, you know, small uh, uh, it's a town county seat of Menard County. But I, and I was outside of town. There was there was not a cable provider or a um, or a DSL provider, or for three quarters of that time, a a WISP, a wireless internet service provider. The only type of quote broadband I had access to was you know, my BlackBerry or a MiFi card from one of the major cellular providers, and I couldn't, you know, bump one or two megabits on a good day. Uh, so so my my capacity was very, very constrained. And so I was off um, uh, landline broadband at home for, for nearly two years until we just moved uh, to Springfield, and we now live in a territory served by a cable provider that has DOCSIS 3.0. And you know the speeds are, are 25 and up. I mean, and it's fabulous. We can we can really use Netflix and a lot of different things that you could not use effectively uh, with um, that type of, of broadband. So, you know, there's plus and minuses to everything. And so, cable is one provider that's been doing a great job. The telco providers, DSL, you know, serves serves a, a larger. I think their footprint in the state of Illinois is twice as large as the cable footprint. So DSL is going to more places. Their speeds aren't always as fast as the cable providers, but they're, they're certainly trying and making an effort. And many of those providers of, of uh, DSL are also investing in fiber, investing in fiber rings, investing in in uh, symmetrical capacity that brings you know uh, 10, 30 meg uh, up and down symmetrical broadband. So you've got your cable, you've got your telecommunications, DSL, you've got fiber. Well, then there's the wireless providers. There's wireless internet service providers that we've been talking about. They, in some ways, are the, you know still the cowboys of the broadband world. They're they're out there. They're putting their their trans transceivers on top of water towers and grain elevators and and they're the ones who more often than not are the the link to people who have nothing again i was when i was out in petersburg uh i thought there was a wisp that served me but i inquired soon after i moved there and and they didn't reach my my home well lo and behold you know 20 months later they did finally get on top of the water tower half mile down the road from me so i could have then subscribed to that wisp and the service was 
was, as I understand it, uh, you know, I never subscribed to this one, but five to eight megabits. So, so that's a pretty good quality for wireless. And then we've got our mobile providers, right? And you know, although I couldn't get 4G out in that area, um, you know, Verizon over the past year has offered 4G in more and more markets around the the, the state, including uh, Springfield. 4G service is, is now available through Verizon LTE. Uh, other wireless providers are also offering 4G service, so the speeds are increasing on the wireless side. And then we haven't even got to satellite, which is, of course, available pretty much everywhere. I have heard good things about Exceed, the new uh, high-capacity um, uh, broadband network uh, that one of the two major satellite providers has put out there, but there are still some latency issues that you always get with satellite. So there are half a dozen technologies out there for getting broadband, and we want to encourage all of them in their their own way to uh, make the most of higher capacity services. Mm-hmm. I'm going to seem like I'm jumping around here a little bit, but an interesting question popped up in the chat room, which um, which makes me wonder, uh, with seniors, um, one of the issues that seems to be a challenge for uh, people everywhere that are, that are driving broadband is getting seniors and anybody to be reimbursed by the insurance companies for the services they receive using the technology. And um, I don't know if you guys, as in your your specific organization, you know, deals with this question, or you you know, it's it's not something that you guys get engaged in because it's more of a, I guess, a lobbying effort than than anything else. But I think it still exists. You know, until more stuff gets reimbursed, it won't be reimbursed, and if it won't be reimbursed, it, it presents another challenge. H- has this issue come up? Has it been talked about in your in your particular world? I'm aware of this issue, Craig. Uh, it is a valid issue, um, but uh, it's a little bit too much in the weeds for us to do anything about it uh, other than to encourage uh, entities in Illinois, um, and we certainly can do that. Uh, I might mention that we play an important role in the Illinois Broadband Deployment Council, uh, which is a, a, a body that... Uh, Governor Quinn set up when he was lieutenant governor in 2005, uh, and it's been uh, active ever since. It meets uh, on a quarterly basis, uh, serves a broad constituency throughout the state, and it does consider policy issues. So that is certainly a forum where an issue like this could get addressed. Mm-hmm. Great. No, that, that, that's that's good. You know, it's one of those things I don't, uh, you know, obviously don't want to get uh, – lost in the shuffle, but then again, everybody has a mission that they kind of need to, to focus on as well, and they kind of deal with some of these other things as they can. That's 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 totally understandable. Um, let's talk economic development. Uh, definitely top of my mind because I'm in the middle of interviewing or, or surveying economic development professionals to get their take on broadband and its impact on economic development. What specifically is going on um, from your perspective, that is addressing, uh, you know, using broadband to improve local economies and and to produce specific economic outcomes. That's all about what we're doing, uh, Craig. I mean, it is about economic development. It's better broadband and better lives is about ensuring that 
communities um, do not miss out on the economic, educational, and other opportunities uh, because they will then have access to fast, affordable broadband internet service. So mm -hmm. we work closely with the economic development stakeholders. I talked a little bit earlier on about our 10 E-team regions around the state. Mm -hmm. And if you go to broadbandillinois.org and you know, encourage your listeners either now or later uh, to go to broadbandillinois.org and click on the tab that says E-teams, and you'll see a breakdown of the 10 regions in the state that we um, use to uh, facilitate uh, our activities. And I would, if I had to kind of encapsulate what the E-teams are doing, they are bringing the providers together with the economic development players. So we've got the providers, and they're out there. They want to sell broadband. They want more capacity. They want people to use it. And then there's the economic development officials who are all about making sure that there are jobs and growth and opportunities and hospitals have good capacity, uh, educational opportunities exist for the kids in their regions so they don't, you know, leave when they uh, graduate from high school. So, so we're about bringing together the users and the producers of broadband services. And the E-teams are about bringing economic development officials and entities and experts and enthusiasts together with the providers to enhance the business case and to make sure that uh, all of the state can advance in its broadband capacity. Mm -hmm. Do you establish markers for you know what is economic development, how is its success measured, or do you just Take it in a in a general sense of um, you know it'll have some positive impact on economic development. And I I, I pose the question because um, a lot of times when people start to talk about broadband and economic development, there's a certain amount of pushback from people in the trenches. Well, you know what what exactly does that mean, and how do you measure it? And there's no way to measure it, and you get all this kind of negativity flowing out. And I'm just wondering, you know, do, do people in positions such as yours, you know, you're 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 advocating and you're facilitating broadband deployment. Do you, you know, does somebody take a, a role in trying to define what exactly success in those areas look like? as a way to basically maybe help communities, you know, gauge themselves, figure out what they're going to do, figure out what solutions they want to create. Absolutely, Craig. I mean, one of the key things that we uh, do do is we create uh, maps and inventories of the state of broadband throughout, uh, throughout Illinois. And let me frame this in three dimensions. The first is maps of broadband supply. And we've been doing this for more than two and a half years where we collect information about broadband availability. We seek to verify, uh, probe, test, uh, validate uh, these, um, th this information. So that's on the supply side, of where broadband is and where it isn't. Mm -hmm. We also want to measure broadband on the demand side, uh, what the uses are, how it is used, what, it, uh, what are variations between one E-team region and another, and we are about to release within the next few weeks, Craig, a comprehensive survey conducted on a statewide basis, but region by region. So we're going to have different results where we can say, you know, West Central and the broadband usage in West Central versus Southern or mm -hmm. versus East Central. And this effort is 
is led by our, our research director, uh, John Horgan, who, who works as a part-time uh, research director for uh, the Partnership for Connect Illinois. John, of course, will be known to many of your listeners because of his role at mm -hmm. the National Broadband Plan and his long role at the uh, Pew Internet and American Life Project. And so that, that effort we will be unveiling again in the next few weeks. And then I guess the, the next step beyond that is beginning to measure the the, uh, the role that broadband has on economic development. And mm -hmm. while we don't yet have a simple formula, we are certainly working to uh, build those metrics that show, okay, well, uh, you know, the area around Moline uh, in the northwest uh, region uh, had this type of broadband availability, this type of usage uh, in six months ago, and it has uh, six months later this type of availability, this type of usage. We can begin to attribute, uh, you know, certain amounts of the economic development to broadband. That's that's the kind of the holy grail that we're aiming towards, and being able to quantify and show metrics as to the benefits that broadband is bringing to the state. Mm -hmm. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty comprehensive. I think that's that's a good you know approach. It, it shows a little bit of uh, forethought and. You know, because I've seen over the years a number of times when people will say they want to help, you know, economic development, but their actions somehow, I mean, it's often good and well-intentioned, but they don't fully understand the needs uh, from the economic development folks. And there's often a disconnect between, you know, the elected officials sometimes who are making the public statements about, yes, we want broadband for economic development, but then the goals that they establish in their political speeches or their stump speeches or whatever – tends to not necessarily track with the, uh, you know, what folks that are actually doing economic development know to be useful. So I, I think that's very that's very good. Um, let's ask another question. Um, we got about seven minutes or so left. How do you know innovation when you see it, or is are really what we're doing in these kinds of programs that are uh, with the goal of driving innovation, what we're trying to do is create an environment and we kind of step back and let whatever flows out, flows out. And uh, and this stems from, you know, people sort of looking at you kind of like, well, well, what's innovation? I mean, it's a great idea and it's a very lofty goal and all the rest of it, but, you know, we're spending all this tax money, what's innovation? You know, that's like one kind of pushback. And then the other kind of pushback is, well, you know, just hand out the money and get out of the way and then let innovation take its course, which may be sane, maybe not. I don't know. From from where you're sitting, what, what do you think about these pushbacks? Uh, so what we're trying to do with Broadband Innovation is to be a catalyst and a spur for those who want to use broadband to stimulate job creation education, health care, agriculture, public safety, energy conservation, or e-government. And this Broadband Innovation Fund is under the leadership of our program manager, Ann Madonia, who's um, helping to facilitate and lead this effort here in Illinois. Uh, she's been the person leading our, uh, our Broadband Innovation Tour with um, uh, eight or nine stops throughout the state where we have uh, gone and explained this process. We have an RFP document. It's been on the website for, for uh, two weeks now, uh, August 16th. It was released, and it is, um, uh, lays out these, these criteria. Uh, 
maximum financial leverage through private, state, or local resources, uh, proven experience or success in leading Illinois initiatives, uh, utilizing a broadband platform to enhance the mission and effectiveness, enhancing job creation, economic impact, experience with Illinois-based projects, processes, and tools, development of, of uh, regional innovation entrepreneurship systems, relationships with broadband providers and other stakeholders, uh, project milestones and deliverables, uh, maximum cost-benefit analysis, project team expertise, the ability to generalize from the model proposed by the application, and how the proposed plan stimulates the best use of broadband networks. These are the criteria that have been established for successful applicants to the Broadband Innovation Fund. And our goal in this is to, in some ways, get out of the way, to say we're not going to know what uh, are the best applications until we put an RFP out there and invite everyone to come in and uh, put forth their, their best shot. And these will be reviewed and um, evaluated and uh, will we'll form the basis for the awards that we make uh, in late September. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the... the um observations I've made about some of these contests that have happened in other cities is that they are very application as in, you know, program. We're going to create this program that runs and it does X, Y, and Z. You know, it's like, you know, the next Facebook, if you will. But are there allowances for people who say we our application, if you will, is a different use of the network because we have all the speed? Meaning the um, I will create um, a vehicle by which I can link 25 school districts and we can all share resources. Well, that's not an actual physical software program. All it's basically saying is that we're going to use this connectivity in a certain way. D do those kinds of things, are they going to be considered a, a, for prizes as well? Very much so, uh, Craig, and, and we, we deliberately uh, took out the word application and made it proposal. Just Excellent. for the purpose, we, we don't want people to think this is a software application. It's a, a proposal that can include the type of thing you just suggested. That totally rocks because I think what you get in the end, um, you know, a lot of advantages are just doing things differently, better, faster, what have you. It's not necessarily creating this, you know, application that creates all this buzz and, uh, you know, glitz and everything else. I mean, there's a place for that, make no mistake, but... I think that for a lot of places, you can get all kinds of great benefits just by virtue of the of the of the access and the speed of the access, and you know the creative use of the access. So I think that um, yeah, that 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 sounds pretty 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 sane to me. Any parting words? We got two minutes. Uh, you know, if you were talking to a, say a peer who's responsible for their you know one of the other 49 states. What's like the one best piece of advice you can give them for ha for achieving success at getting people on board with, you know, creating innovations? Well, my piece of advice to the other state broadband initiative entities is uh, don't be afraid to take the next step beyond the data. I mean, data is a key tool, but it, 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 we're not doing anything if we aren't using that to promote better broadband and better lives, and we do that not by ourselves. We're not going to be putting the towers up or digging the trenches to put fiber or, 
wireless towers, we're going to work in collaboration with providers, with others who use the broadband to make sure that these high-capacity networks get out there and that once they're out there, they get used. And so we, again, are a catalyst to better broadband and better lives. We work to convene, to connect, and to uh, promote collaboration of all the players, the, the providers, the economic development stakeholders, consumers, users, small businesses, anchor institutions. And as we uh, approach this, we obviously have been uh, truly uh, blessed by the great uh, infrastructure of support for broadband in, here in Illinois. Uh, obviously, we're in President Obama's uh, home state, and he's been a promoter of broadband. But we also have in Senators Durbin and Senators Kirk uh, two individuals on each side of the aisle, a Democrat and a Republican, who both are very interested in broadband and making sure that broadband advances our state and its, its prospects. And we're also extremely fortunate that uh, this has been something that Governor Quinn zeroed in on early on from the time he was Lieutenant Governor. He said, what are the things that really need to happen to promote rural broad, to promote rural economic development or economic development in the state? And he said, came to his own conclusion, it's broadband. And that led to the Broadband Deployment Council, which has built this very strong base for, for activity that we at Broadband Illinois, the Partnership for Connect Illinois, have been able to build on top of. So I would say I got, use the I'm app sorry, that wait, you've wait, got. Wait, Drew, 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 I'm sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt you because we're about to go off the air. I don't want to cut you off, but uh, I wanted to thank you. I'm going to take time to thank you and Roxanne <laughs> and our audience for being here today. And we'll come back again and talk some more about what's going on in Illinois. Thank you very, very much for being our guest today. Thank you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.